Hello, hello, and welcome, everybody, back for another episode of the Marvel Galaxy Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Evan Cormick. Now, I wanted to get a couple of housekeeping items done before I kick right into the show. First of all, I'm doing this right before my finals week. I am in college, um, and over my Christmas break, I'm not going to be able to put out any episodes just because, A, I don't know how recording would be in my house. I don't know what all the mic would pick up. I also don't really have my own mic because my university has podcasting equipment that I can just rent out and use as I please. So I don't really have the equipment still to do everything. Um, I figured, well, why not? I can just rent out stuff from my university, and I'm also pretty sure that where I record everything, my university is closed for the holidays. So this is going to be the last episode that you guys hear probably until like January, like middle of January, right when I get back. Um, And that's kind of okay, and here's why. We don't really have a lot in terms of superhero content coming out. Um, I have some stuff that I'm going to talk about today, but after I get the stuff that I'm going to talk about today off my chest, we really don't have much to talk about in terms of the superhero world. We have no Marvel content until February, and we're not going to have any official Star Wars content dropping until January with The Bad Batch Season 2. So honestly, there's not really much to talk about in terms of the end of December, but for January to fill in that gap before uh, Ant-Man comes out in February, I'll try and think of like some creative things uh, in terms of any rumors that I hear about Marvel or any kind of like speculations, theories that I can go over for you know the coming phases that we're about to have happen. Also, I'm really sorry that the episode kind of releasing has been very wonky. I tried to keep it very scheduled, but what I realized is that when I kept it scheduled and being like, okay, at this time on Friday, like you have to record and then you have to get it edited by Tuesday, it started to become more of a job and it a little, it stressed me out a little bit. So I'm doing all of this, you know, just to nerd out and to talk to whoever wants to listen about Marvel. I'm not monetizing these episodes. I'm not making any money off of this whatsoever. Yet I am paying to kind of put everything out there for you guys on Spotify and Apple. So when it decided to, when it started to feel like a chore or like a job, I immediately just did not like it. I almost went and like got rid of the whole thing and just stopped doing it entirely because I was like, well, I'm not making any money off of it. So the moment that I start feeling like it's a job is the moment that I start losing fun and interest in it because why not just save my money and not do this and just talk about it with my friends when I see them in person. But basically I have kind of got over that little hump. I'm going to just kind of produce them when I can or when it's relevant. I mean, I am in school, so I have stuff going on. Um, I guess maybe that's the problem. I don't know what the problem is with, you know, Marvel podcasts on Spotify and Apple Music. I just can't seem to find a lot of them. Um, So that's why I'm hoping that you guys have been gravitating towards mine because it might not be a consistent update schedule. But, I mean, I I publish a decent amount of episodes. So with all that being said, let's get right into it. We finished up uh, last episode talking about Black Panther and what I thought about that movie. Today we're going to move on into more of a Star Wars heavy episode because Marvel, outside of the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, which I'll be talking about, Marvel's done until February 17th when we get Ant-Man and Quantumania, which is going to be absolutely amazing. I'll kind of dive into that trailer closer to the movie and kind of give you that episode preview of like what I think is going to happen, you know, where it's going to go, um, and by then we'll probably have some more trailers, some more news. But I never got to talk about the Andor finale. 
Um, in terms of the finale itself, I'm going to shy away from the style that I used to do my episodes in to where I would kind of just give you a breakdown like bit by bit of what's happening in the episode. Well, obviously, if you watch the damn thing, like you're going to know what happened. You don't need me to break it down. So I'm kind of going to give you my thoughts about it all. There's been a lot of mixed reviews in terms of what I've seen in the Star Wars community. There are people that think this is literally better than The Mandalorian or as good as The Mandalorian with what we've gotten in terms of a Star Wars show. I don't know if I necessarily agree with all of that just because I think Mandalorian as well as some of the other shows we've gotten are top tier quality Star Wars content. What I will say is this was very, very unique but also very good. Now, I am going to sound probably like a little bit of a hypocrite. I'm going to play a little bit of devil's advocate here in the sense that I really loved it, but it also lacked a lot of things. It had, what it did have was beautiful character development. It had amazing characters that you could feel for, that you could get attached to. It had the characters and the way the story was written was absolutely beautiful. But the things that it did wrong was that Andor had a lot or had a lackluster portion of just overall action. Now, I'm not saying that when I say action, I'm not saying that they had to, you know, go to some weird planet and discover this long lost Jedi and we didn't have to have lightsabers and all that stuff. But I'm saying it would have been nice to see like maybe Andor like smuggling some stuff or Luthen like how he got to the point that he is. Maybe a flashback episode even. Like just more genuine action or like a full rebellion like the finale the final episode had a good portion where um they were in like the town square and everything just all hell just broke loose and that one kid just let off a bomb and that was some that was some good action it was more it gave me the vibe of like a drama it felt like it honestly felt like to me that this was written to be on netflix is kind of what I got from there because there was some action but it really focused on the story overall I give it about like a 8 out of 10, which for me is a pretty strong review because I wasn't sitting with, like, with the finale. I wasn't sitting there on the edge of my seat like, oh, my God, like, this is, oh, eat it up. Basically, what I'm trying to say is I can wait for season two. There's other things that pique my interest more, but I do like what they're showing us in terms of we can produce good Star Wars content without it having to involve a Skywalker or some form of Jedi or just and like we can make a standalone story about a character that dies in an episode. So they were almost going backwards, which I thought was really, really interesting. So overall, I really liked the show. It's just there were a couple things that like for me personally were just missing to make me want more, to make me get excited. Like I think most of the episodes I was like, oh, it's Friday. I might as well watch Andor, even though it's been out for two days. It was kind of like that to whereas like Tales of the Jedi, I wanted to watch it like the moment it came out, like Bad Batch, the moment it came out, like all the Mandalorian, whenever it comes out, like I'm getting like the first day those episodes come out. I am right there. I'm watching it like as soon as I possibly can. Meanwhile, with Andor, it's kind of like, eh, I'll get to it. You know, like if I have other stuff going on, I'll get to it eventually. And I just overall, I really, 
I enjoyed it, but the split that I'm seeing in the community is the people that, you know, think it's one of the best Star Wars shows ever. And then there's people that also just think it's a steaming hot pile of dog shit. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's anywhere near bad television. Those are also the type of people that just demand fan service and think that a project is absolutely horrible if you don't get some sort of fan service cameo returning character. And that's also not how we should be viewing this, right? We should say, I almost wish they would kind of split it up a little bit to whereas these little shows focus on the characters themselves and then maybe make more movies. Now, it's different for Star Wars, but I guess this also kind of applies to Marvel and make save the movies for like big cameos, big like flashbacks and stuff like that. You know, with Star Wars, we haven't gotten any movies really besides Rise of Skywalker. I believe that was the last movie, um, if memory serves me correct. And so they should save it. Well, I guess they really can't save it. Sorry. They have these TV shows to kind of put in those cameos and fan service. And I get that. But it doesn't have to be in every single project. Now, I feel like what made Andor drawn out was there were so many episodes. And every single episode, there was like not a lot of action. Except for when they stole the money from the Empire. That was a, a good big action scene. But other than that, it was like very sneaky, very, like, um, it reminded me not of, like, James Bond-esque. I mean, it's nowhere near that, but, like, I couldn't think of the genre I'm trying to describe. So it's, it's kind of what I'm getting at there is it's kind of like this sneaky, like, you know, spy television almost. Um, but I did like a lot of the episodes. They gave us a lot of good characters uh, that I hope stick around. It was nice to see uh, Saw Gerrera again. Um, I, I kind of want to show that's mentioned around Saw, come to think of it, because... We see him in the Clone Wars a little bit. We hear of him. We get to him in Rebels. We see him firsthand. And then in this show, we also see him along with Rogue One. And it's like we see him drop in on all these projects, but what got him going? Like, what really started his whole journey to kind of take down the Empire? You know what I'm saying? But overall, I just, Andor was good, but... I feel like what was hard for me to talk about was there was nothing to talk about. Like, there was no, besides Luthen's gift shop, there were no, like, Easter eggs. There were no, like, oh, here's what's going to happen next. There were no theories, which I also think threw off the Star Wars community because we're used to getting projects where we have to keep our eyes and ears peeled for Easter eggs, you know, one-offs, like mentions of this. Maybe this will turn into its own show. Like, there's always something. I feel like Andor was like, here's Andor. This is what it is. Uh, there's no secret meaning. You're just supposed to watch it and enjoy. And I feel like that is so foreign that it kind of hurt the show in a way. But it was one of those things where it was also very good to kind of just get it off your chest. Now, sticking with Star Wars, there was an announcement that was made about a week or so ago that Mandalorian Season 3 will be officially announced, not officially announced, officially dropped on Disney Plus on March 1st which I am absolutely stoked for, as I'm pretty sure literally every Star Wars fan is. Now, they dropped the trailer. I watched it. It was very good. The rumors about Season 3 is it's going to follow Din and Grogu, spoilers if you didn't see Book of Boba Fett, on their journey to find more Mandalorians. I like where this is going because the trailer also showed a bunch of different factions, and I'm wondering... Because we also see, um, not Sabine, Bo-Katan. We see her in what looks like the throne room of Mandalore from Season 7 of The Clone Wars. Like, it looks like the building is kind of decimated. Or it might be from the throne room from Rebels. Uh, I believe it's Season 3 or 4. But 
What I feel like fans are not liking about... The only negativity that I saw from Mandalorian Season 3 is kind of what I just touched on. So you're getting remnants of the animated show Rebels. And you're getting Grogu back in the picture out of nowhere for Book of Boba Fett. Those were... Rebels was received fairly well. But also if you didn't watch it because it was... It was that peak to where it was meant to be a kid's show... But if adults happen to watch it, they could really love it and appreciate it. I might actually do a whole separate uh, podcast episode on what I thought of Rebels because I did watch it all and finish it. And I absolutely loved it. But everyone was kind of like, oh, it's it's a weird animation style. Like, it was like it was trying to be Clone Wars, but it couldn't, I feel like, was the negative reviews that it got. And Book of Boba Fett just absolutely shit the bed. Like, it absolutely just tanked. It was, it did terrible. I for one, really kind of enjoyed it, but most people thought it should have just been Mandalorian Season 2.5, which I do kind of agree with, and I don't like that they did that. Um, So the negative feedback that they were receiving was, well, if I didn't watch Book of Boba Fett, well, then I guess that, spoiler alert, Grogu's back in the picture, which is very understandable because some people don't care about Boba Fett. They might have watched the first episode of Book of Boba Fett and been like, this is terrible. Why would Disney release this and not proceed to watch all of the episodes? And for them, what happened, What they took away the emotion of the end of season two. So I see where people are getting at that. Um, now, obviously, if you watch Book of Boba Fett, everything makes sense. But still, they should have tried to keep it to where is he at least... Like, it was almost as if no effort was made to keep Grogu and, uh, and Din apart, is I think what they're getting at. And, and I, I agree that there really wasn't an effort. There was no struggle. Like, we saw how Din was affected. He went to visit Luke and Ahsoka, and he saw how sad he was, but then he understood and he left. And then Luke gave him a decision, etc. But I feel like they could have played with it or, like, dragged it out or... You know, a quick theory could have been like in Mandalorian Season 3, like maybe tease Luke and Grogu training in Book of Boba Fett. You know, somehow, like, I don't know, maybe Luke senses something. Like Din's in trouble and Luke senses that Grogu's worried about Din. He's like, wow, this kid's connection to this guy is really strong, etc. And then in Season 3, maybe like, oh, well, let's go try and find Din. Or like Din's in deep trouble And Luke's like, oh, I sense that he can't get out of this by himself. Let's go help him. Or like, Ahsoka, you take Grogu and go help him. Or something of the such. Um, To kind of explore it in season three. But at the same time, with the trailer, what we're seeing and the rumors that I've had online is they're going to be exploring for Mandalorian people. And I really like that because not only does Din finally have the Darksaber, which is going to bring a whole weird twist to everything because Bo-Katan is like really up his ass about the fact that he just did not win it via combat, which technically he did eventually, but I don't know if she knows that. Um, But yeah, she is just like really in him about like, listen, you're kind of a disgrace to Mandalorians, but you also are pretty close to our code. Um, Like just, I don't know what to feel about you kind of thing and I mean I kind of like that they're giving her that ask but I I just don't know what to I'm so excited because I don't know what to expect really like this can go so many ways because we can discover you know what Mandalorians are left over from the Rebels or they could also bring back people from the Clone Wars era that were never re-brought up in Rebels that are still could be alive like we're basically going to be exploring the whole Mandalorian race now I know timeline wise this is after Return of the Jedi, so I don't think we're going to see Maul. Because I believe, I don't, I didn't really see this online, but another theory was, oh, well, they're exploring Mandalore. Maybe they'll run into Maul. Maybe he's around there somewhere. Unfortunately, he is not alive at the time of Return of the Jedi. But, I mean, 
I'm excited to see what they're going to do mostly with, like, just everyone because it's one of those things where we're all invested. Everyone's going to watch it. It's going to take off and blow up. But it's it's more of, like, what are they going to do? And I don't really the, – the trailer really didn't give anyone anything to theorize about. Um, now, I really didn't have much research into it in terms of did anyone come up with theories. Um, those are kind of my own theories is that Din will kind of find himself and become just an absolute badass with the Darksaber. Um, that's where I think his arc is going to go next. Uh, maybe he might, like, fight Bo-Katan or something. I think they're just going to try to reestablish Mandalore. I don't think we'll be disappointed at all. I think there's going to be a lot of action. Oh, that is one thing I saw. I believe they said there's going to be more action scenes, but more, like, in-space action. Um, they might have said one other thing, but, like, there's things to expect, and it was, it was really cool. What I also want to see is what they're going to do for Grogu, how they're going to set up what they're going to do with him. Because when he needs to go somewhere, he trained with Luke a little bit. He got better. He was able to help Din in the uh, Book of Boba Fett season finale. So what's next for Grogu? Is Din going to realize that he really shouldn't be with him? Or is uh, Din going to like try and train him and be like, let's work together, Luke and Ahsoka? Like, I really am curious as to where that's going to go. So I feel like that's about all that I could pull out of that trailer. Um, needless to say, I'm, I will be very excited for March 1st when it drops, and hopefully we get another trailer, and I'll be able to do more of a deep dive into everything closer to March 1st. Sticking with the theme of trailers in Star Wars and what's to come, we have not gotten anything for Ahsoka, so I'll talk about that a little bit brief, more briefly than I will some of the other topics we have. Basically, all we know uh, for Ahsoka and I will, I will tell this to you guys as a fan. Rebels is not that bad. I recommend if you haven't already, go through and watch it. If you need to pick out certain episodes, or if you're like, I don't want to sit through and watch four seasons of this crap. Start with season three if you want. Um, because the entire basis of the Ahsoka show is rumored to pick up where Le- Rebels left off. There's a specific ending. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. Uh, but there's a very specific ending in Rebels of Season 4 that directly ties into where I think the Ahsoka series is going to pick up. I'm going to do my best to rewatch Mandalorian Season 1 and 2 uh, to see if they like touch on that at all. Um, especially when Ahsoka and Bo-Katan are like, all in the mix. I believe that's in Season 2. Just to make sure that they didn't already touch on that. But I am like 99% sure... Ahsoka is just going to be like it's Ahsoka's series don't get me wrong and we'll probably have our own little things I believe Hayden Christensen is rumored to appear in that show um I don't know if Obi-Wan Kenobi is set to be in that show at all but I know Anakin is for sure I believe as a force ghost because this will be taking place after Return of the Jedi which also Ahsoka is like old as shit like I don't know if the Twi'leks are supposed to be like that old but when I'm sitting here thinking like oh she was a kid during the Clone Wars like she's really old now so, I'm almost a little scared that in the Ahsoka series, like, they might kill her off. I don't know, though, for sure, because I feel like Ahsoka will be on the level of Mandalorian to where they can just milk that for, like, at least three to five seasons. Um, 
and kind of incorporate a bunch of different things. But that's literally all we know for Ahsoka. There's no trailer. The only thing we do know, which is why I'm bringing it up, is that it drops in 2023. I would assume maybe in like the fall to winter, so we still have about a year probably. Um, but I highly, highly encourage those that have not watched Rebels to go through and watch Rebels just by, by next year. You have a lot of time. Rebels took me about a month or two uh, to kind of binge watch here in and out because they're all 20 like 20 minute episodes like you'll be fine they introduce a lot of great characters but just so that by next year you are ready for ahsoka just because i don't want you to be like oh i'm just a fan of ahsoka and you'll be like who the hell are all these people that they're bringing in just so you kind of know what's up that's about all we have for ahsoka now speaking of more content that we got that we have a trailer for and actually comes out in a month bad batch season two which is one of those things where when I first watched the first two episodes, I, I didn't like it. When I worked, when I, I did not like it at all. I'm being completely honest. I did not like Bad Batch season one. I did not enjoy it. Um, what am I talking about season one? Look at me. I did not enjoy the first couple of episodes. Because when I was a kid growing up, the Clone Wars for me was look at these Jedi, uh, flashy toys and lightsabers, um... That's all I cared about. <laughs> so I was like, you're Obi-Wan, you're Anakin, you're Ahsoka. Like, I had the games, I had the action figures. That's what I cared about. I didn't care about the livelihood of livelihoods of the clones, nor did I understand it. This past year, I went back and rewatched all of the Clone Wars, and I am in love with it. I care about the clones. I care about Wolf. I care about Rex, Cody, all, like, the Bad Batch. I care about them all. I don't know them all off by heart. I was going to tr- attempt to do it, but then my brain was like, let's let's chill out. Let's slow down. So I watched Bad Batch Season 1 as well, all the way through, and I really, really liked it. It was very unique to me. I It got hooked on it eventually, especially because it's still, it's one of those things where you appreciate that nostalgia of, oh, this is Clone Wars style animation. Oh, there's Captain Rex. Oh, you guys. Like, you see all of this stuff. It makes your heart happy. It's those flashbacks, that character service that we really, really love. So what we got from the Bad Batch Season 2 trailer, they might visit Dooku's lair from the Clone Wars animated show. We're still still dealing with Crosshair just being a little bitch. Like, just join your friends. They saved your life. Ah, it's annoying. We do get glimpses, though, of Commander Cody working for the Empire, which I thought was really interesting because we know, uh, spoilers ahead if you haven't seen Rebels or whatever, um, Rex is in both Rebels and we see his progression through the Bad Batch Season 1. We see Rex, we are accustomed to Rex, we know everything that happens with Rex. Um, Rex makes it to the Battle of Endor, which I really hope they touch on at some point. Anywho, um, we see Commander Cody working for the Empire, and in the trailer he's like, a lot more clones are starting to question the Empire. And uh, Crosshair is just like, well, those good soldiers follow orders, basically, is what he's talking about. Um, So that'll be really exciting to see. And I think they're going to start hitting on some more, not flashback scenarios, but basically going back to old places from the Clone Wars. And I really, really am excited about that. Um, I definitely go suggest you to go watch the trailer for Bad Batch Season 2. It kind of got me hype, um, and everyone was concerned because it comes out in like a month, like maybe even less than a month. It's wild because they didn't market it at all, and then they were just like, hey, here's a trailer. Um, Omega, who I thought was really annoying at first uh, in the first uh, season, this I, I mean at this time, like the full, full first season, towards the end I started to like her. I was always just like, oh, she's so useless. And then she started kind of coming into her own. Um, and I'm excited to see where that takes us in season two. So I'll be excited to see kind of her progression throughout our, throughout everything. 
Um, that's also kind of all I have for season two of The Bad Batch, uh, just because, I mean, trailers, not much to go off of. It'll be exciting to see where they explore. Um, I think my favorite part from the trailer is what I already touched on, is they'll be going back to the place uh, for Dooku's lair. I believe in the beginning opening scene they were running across a beach, and it looked like they were carrying Dooku's desk. So I'm wondering if in season two they're just going to be exploring a bunch of old archives from the Clone Wars to, like, steal stuff for, like, traitors or to just, like... I don't know, try and find out more about Order 66 and, like, tell the clones that are in the Empire, like, hey, it wasn't your fault, it's in your programming, etc., etc. So I'm very excited to see where that will take us. Um, And that's kind of all I have for the Star Wars portion of everything. Now, I will be transitioning into Marvel. I just have two topics, really. Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special is what we'll be talking about. And let me just say that I absolutely loved it. Now, Guardians of the Galaxy, the Holiday Special wrap-up, it's about 40 minutes. I suggest going and watching it. Um, There's really not a lot to dive into because it really wasn't super important to the story. It was just a good, wholehearted, like, makes-you-feel-good theme. Um, It tied in some patches. Um, So, spoiler alerts ahead. I'm going to cover those patches that it kind of works over. First, we get the bombshell dropped on us that Mantis is Star-Lord's sister because they were both like created and stolen from by Ego the planet which I thought was really weird but also kind of cool I enjoyed it it gives us some more emotion for Guardians of the Galaxy I, I do know that we have the trailer that dropped but I will wait because that movie doesn't come out till May So I will touch on it at some other point, um, just because I don't want it to take away from the holiday special. But that does, finding out that Mantis is Star-Lord's sister brings a little bit more of emotion to the overall sense of family that the Guardians feel. Because at first, through Infinity War and Endgame, we were kind of just like, oh, they picked up Mantis, like, she's really cool, she gets along, they care for her, they saved her from Ego. But this really gives you the feel of like, oh. Like, they are just family, they're all integrated and what have you. And it was just really nice. Um, So, we have them going to Earth, you know, messing with Kevin Bacon. And basically, the main takeaways was Mantis being Star-Lord's sister officially, now it's canon. Groot is a big, stocky son of a gun. He is just this big, he's young adult Groot. So, basically, they also, James Gunn helped tied up a little bit of that because people were like, whoa, what the hell? What kind of steroids is this little tree on? Who gave this tree horse tranquilizer? And he was like, listen, so I didn't even know this. When Groot in the first movie did that thing where he was like, I am Groot, and he, like, basically just covered the Guardians and, like, got blown up, and they got the little seedling, baby Groot. That is not the same person. That's Groot. That was Groot's father. I don't know if that's, like, how they birth. I'm sure old Groot wasn't meant to die when he birthed um, or gave the sapling, but that's just how it happened. And I believe baby Groot is the only one to survive. So the Groot that we have now is potentially the last remaining Groot in his species, which is a really cool tidbit to take away, and it makes me kind of appreciate the little tree guy. I also like that he is a big, stocky young adult. It makes him more of a brute along with Drax, which I like because Baby Groot and, like, Small Teenage Groot, well, Small Teenage Groot kind of kicked some butt, but, like, Baby Groot was really, really cute, but did not help the Guardians at all. So I like that they have Groot now. I feel like they're going to work him into the next movie. Um, He didn't really do much here except for just have some funny lines here and there, Um, but I really like that we got to see him at least, Um, and we know for the next movie, like, this is Teenage Groot. He is young adult. Like, this is great. 
Um, I really like it. Some people were like a little thrown off by it, but I, I really enjoyed it, needless to say. Next, there is a gift-giving portion of the episode where everyone's like, holy shit, you brought Christmas to nowhere. Also another thing, they are living in nowhere. That's their new base. That's a new base of operations. You might, remi- you might remember nowhere from the Infinity War Endgame section of Phase 3. Yeah, Phase 3. Um, so that's really cool. Just a little Easter egg tidbit kind of there for you. And I enjoy that. But they Nebula gifted Rocket Bucky's arm. If you remember in Infinity War, he's like, oh, where'd you get that arm? Or he asked he asked him something. He's like, how about that arm? And he's like, not for sale. No, uh, Rocket asked, uh, where'd you get the gun? And he said, not for sale. And he's like, how about that arm? And Bucky just looks at him. And he said, oh, I'm going to get that arm. And he got the arm. Which is wild, but it also raises the question, first, how did Nebula get that arm? And two, how is her getting that arm going to play into the Thunderbolts? I feel like that's going to be a big plot hole to whereas, well, how did she take Bucky's arm? Was it actually Bucky's arm? And I feel like that will have to play into the Thunderbolts. So I feel like that was like a little Easter egg or a preview onto what's going to happen whenever we get to the Thunderbolts movie once they're done setting it up through all of their different projects. Now, the last kind of little tidbit of information that they had, actually, I think that was all that I could pull from the holiday special. They didn't really give any more hints to the new movies. Um, Oh, oh, Rocket broke the fourth wall in the end credit scene. Nothing major, but it's just a little hint like, ooh, they might start breaking the fourth wall. And you know who loves to break the fourth wall that does have a movie coming out in about two years? Deadpool. I cannot wait for that movie. Um, But that's pretty much all the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special brought to the table. Um, Like I said, nothing really major, but, you know, it was a good, I enjoyed. It was another one of their special presentations, which I really enjoyed. And speaking of special presentations, that kind of leads us into my last topic for today or this episode. Marvel rumors for phase five and six. What did I tell you? What did I tell you, people? In Kevin Feige, we trust. They absolutely bum-rushed Phase 4, just took it and just jammed it down our throats. And we said, hold on, this is way too much Marvel content for our little minds to comprehend, to catch up with, to kind of, what the hell is going on? And it was also some of the worst Marvel projects we have seen in a long time. Like, it was some hot garbage, and I'm a Marvel lover. Some of them were just terrible films. They said, listen, we heard what you, we heard what you said. So what if we told you that we we're going to reevaluate Phase 5 and Phase 6? So what that means... They already have a couple things set in stone. Ant-Man's not going to change. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is not going to change. Basically, I think anything they have for the 2023 slate um, I don't think is going to change. But Phase 5, they said they're going to shoot for a more quality over quantity. Now, I will mind you that this source started from a very not super well-known newspaper or, like, website blog. So it's still up in the air if that's, like, 100% true, but for the sake of debate, I will take it as I will because I really like this. It shows that Kevin Feige and Marvel are listening to their fans. They're not just saying, who gives a shit? You'll like it. We're just going to put it out. We're Marvel. What are you going to do? I also think it has to do with the CEO of Disney switching 
to whereas he likes to put a, produce a quality product to whereas the former CEO was kind of just like, I like money. What about you? Push it out. Um, the VFX special effects artists are probably like thanking sweet baby Jesus that this is happening. Um, because we did see a drop in some of the effects and some of the, it, it just wasn't the Marvel that we knew. So they said they're going to shy away from putting out like a Marvel project at least every month. So we'll have some gaps in between everything, which I love. I mean, it's not necessarily from my perspective. Like obviously I do this show, I keep up with everything Marvel, so it's not hard for me. But I have a couple friends where they literally just like missed one or two movies and like one show and they feel absolutely lost and they have no idea what the hell is going on. And they're like not scared, but they're like apprehensive to go see something in the theaters when all of when we all try to because they're like, what if I miss something? What if I like what if I missed something in the others that's, you know, detrimental to this movie? And what if I'm confused? They just want to sit there and enjoy which I like that they're changing this up. I like that we have, you know, it's been about, well, Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special really released um, on Black Friday. So we've had about, we'll have about two, two and a half full months to just vibe until our next bit of Marvel content, Marvel movie comes out. And I really like that. So I like that they said they're going to space everything out for phase five and six. I really hope they stick to that. I hope it's just not a faulty news blog that's kind of saying that and that they really do uh, stick true to that meaning. Um, they said they're also going to, upon reevaluation and taking the stress off the special effects artists, they're also going to look at doing more special presentations instead of necessarily sticking to shows and movies, which I really love because if you watch Werewolf by Night and Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, mwah, chef's kiss, they were absolutely spectacular. And I love it. And I love them in every single way because it's the perfect dose of Marvel for you. It's the perfect dose of basically all of their content because it's not too rushed that they didn't try to make it into a movie, but it's also not drawn out into a show. It's just really beautiful. It's it's wonderful and really, and that's probably what I want to hear the most feedback on in this episode. So like I always plug, follow me on the dot Marvel Galaxy on Instagram. I want to know your feedback. Do you like what they're doing with Marvel for Phase 5 and 6, what the rumors are, spacing everything out, going for more of a quality over quantity. I really like it. I want to hear what you guys have to say about it. I think that's about it for this episode. Like I said in the beginning, this is going to be my last episode for a little while, so you're going to have a gap. If anything, Marvel rumors comes out, you'll hear about it on my Instagram, like I just mentioned a couple minutes ago, the Galaxy. Uh, yeah, that's about all I have. That's an awkward outro. It's okay, we'll keep it. I hope all of you have a blessed Christmas. If you don't celebrate Christmas, don't celebrate New Year's, then happy holidays to you. I hope you have a great December and beginning of January. And to those of you that do celebrate, have a happy New Year.